Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dope Black Podcast. This is the Dope Black Dads Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Today I'm joined joined by this. I was going to say it's sunny. It's no longer sunny, but Bushra Sheikh is with me. How are you, Bushra? I'm good, Marvin. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me today because it was a last minute impromptu. I just saw you on Twitter and I was like, I must speak to you. I have to. It's been like something that's been on my mind for way too long. Um, partially because I love The Apprentice and I don't want to dishonor you by like going into it too much because I'm sure it wasn't too much fun. But um, you also, there was two very important uh, pieces that you discussed in terms of parenting. One was on Good Morning Britain where you spoke about, uh, you know, fiddling the catchment areas just slightly a little bit um, to okay. get, uh, which I think is super important. But the actually it was another one as well. The other one was um, the one you spoke about um Wives not looking forward to the England World Cup final. And, you know, that's a really, really interesting. And we know the Premier League just finished uh, this weekend. Um, yeah. What was the other one? I've just completely lost my mind. There was another one. Ah, it was about work-life balance. Hmm. All three of those things are really important. So I'm going to probe you on all of those things. Okay, cool. Just for context, you, you have three children, right? I have, yes. I've got three of them. Two boys and a girl. And how old are they? 16, going to be 14 and going to be 12. How is that? That feels like they're young adults, almost grown-ups. Do you, is, is that easier? Is it more fun than when they were like two, three or five, six when like my age, my children? You know what? I wouldn't say it's easier. I just think the challenges change. And as they're getting older, what they want from life changes. And I guess trying to navigate that space with them is probably the most difficult part because I always assumed people said to me, oh, you know what changing nappies and doing school runs and stuff that will soon stop and it will get easier but I don't think so I think I've got more challenges that are sort of more mental challenges now perhaps not the physical ones Mm. but ones that are um, you know you've got to think about a little bit more because now they're building the space for themselves like how are they going forward in their lives what do they want to do and and what have you what are those 16-year-old challenges? Like, I, you know, for me, being a young adult, I remember at 16, I was, I thought I was ready for the world. And it was very annoying that anybody would tell me that I wasn't because I was 16. I'd waited 16 years for this moment. What are some of the 16-year-old challenges that you're facing? Well, look, we know that social media plays such a heavy, heavy, important part in their lives, right? We come from a totally different generation. So just like trying to manage that is probably the challenge. So social media, how that changes them or how that shapes them, what influences they're getting from there. But definitely teenage years is when 
their emotions are all over the place. They're not sure how they're feeling. How should they respond to new situations? So, you know, let's talk about like relationships. I feel like from about the age of 14 is when they start understanding that they're feeling something, you know, and what is that feeling towards another person? And they generally are kind of quiet about it, but you can notice certain signs within the house or conversations that they're having with their friends. So I, I'd probably start with that really, is how they're building friendships. That was a big one. What, what was 16 year old, you know, you, you had started having children at 22, is that correct? Sorry, what was that about the 22? You started having children at 22. That's when you had your first yes, child. Correct. Right? Yeah. What, so between 16 and 22, what was happening for you? What was your awareness at that level? Well, it was like a multitude of things. Because I remember, I mean, this is going to be crazy, but I never actually wanted kids that young. So for me, the way my life panned out was, in fact, the total opposite to what I want, wanted for myself. But again, we don't know what life chucks at us. But at that time, when I was in my teenage years, I was like very career driven. So for me, it was about work, making money, um, perhaps finding someone later on in life. I was the individual that wanted to get married later, but I ended up being married very, very young and hence having having children young. So with my eldest son, I, I guess, it's more about what does he want to do? So I've been talking to him about it because they have girlfriends, you know, and girlfriends and boyfriends and, you know, all of this stuff. And how does that fit into where they're going for college? You know, for example, like exams, they're just big challenges. And I think we've got to be there to help direct that. Hmm. And and how do you how much of that is related to you being from it's Pakistan you're from right I'm gonna I am, yeah yeah um, how much is, is that connected to being from Pakistan is that uh, connected to you being Muslim or is that just culturally you and who you are and your family and what they just how you are how much of it is specific to those differences well look you know what we can't avoid that when we come from particular and um, you know ethnic backgrounds and for me I'm a woman I'm also Pakistani I'm Muslim you know so chucking those three elements into it and I'm British. So we're adopting all these different cultures and it's like, which part of that culture am I going to adopt and which one am I not going to take on? So even for them, you know, as children growing up here, um, it's my job or our job to kind of help them with that. So yeah, part of our being Muslim, you know, it's about um, some people would deem getting married young, being Muslim as, as the right thing to do. Being Pakistani as well, you know, you've got this thing about getting married and that's that's part of your life and it's a very, very big part of your life. But, you know, if you want to focus on your career, for example, our kids, they might want to do it a different way around. Then what do I tell them? Do I say that that's totally fine? So, you know, even as a parent, I find that I'm learning all the time. There is no handbook for parenting. Yeah. And then do you find, is there something that you would consider doing in the same way again? Like, obviously, you want our children because I'm the same. I my, If you're talking about, do I want my children? I want my children. If you ask yeah. me, do I want children? I'd be like, I slightly want different ones. I'll do it. I'll do it differently. Sorry. I, I would do it in a way that's probably slightly later, even for me. And I had my children at 30. I would have done it a bit later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, even one of the things I talk about on, on, on social media a lot, not generally just about life, but about parenting, is do you ever think about having children? Because I I don't recall remembering having that discussion, you mm. know, shall, you know, for my, my ex-partner at the time, like, shall we have children? Are we going to have children? It kind of just happened because it was an, it was an expected thing. Mm. So I wonder how many people in, in especially my, my community, are having those discussions with their partners and, and husbands and wives kind of openly about children. And what's sort of, what, what, what have you realised about yourself from, from 22 to now? So, I, you know, my original goal of parenting was very much focused on, you know, be disciplined and, you know, I, I didn't really think about the love, care and the joy of it. I thought about how I would manage it. 
if that makes sense. What what has changed yeah. for you um, in the last 16 years? Well, let me start by saying what's changed for me more, more recently is having to be a single parent 90% of the time. So mm. going from parent like a dual parenting to single parent parenting, co-parenting, I think has been incredibly challenging mm. because now I've adopted the role of disciplinarian as well as giving all the love and the care and that mm. balance is really hard because sometimes you know when you've got to put your foot down I do feel guilty mm. and you know it's about finding that, that moment where you're like actually no this is the right thing to do even though it's upsetting them but they may not see why you're doing that thing at the time mm. and and how have you managed that how, how recently I don't, I don't want to go too deep into it but how recently has that that adjustment happened um it's pretty much been for about three years now mm. so although it seems like a heap of time in the grand scheme of things I've been a parent since I was 22 so you know if you if you weigh that up so for three years I'm now single co-parenting to dual parenting before that's been you know a challenge for me but gosh parenting is different at different stages because the because the requirement that kids need from us changes as well is, and do you think there's actually any upside to single co-parenting or something that you've found has improved or has been better and worked out differently for you aside from the actual relationship dissolving um, which I assume was a thing of choice but like is, is yeah. it something that you realise is actually this works better for me? Do you know what? I think it depends um, if you have a partner who is on the same wavelength as, length as you and you're discussing how you're going to raise your children I think that's a different conversation. But I think what's difficult is when you have two individuals at the time who perhaps want to raise their children in a different way because that's when you're going to butt heads, aren't you? And you're always going to have good cop, bad cop. You're going to have um, one boundary that's being set by one parent and then the other boundary, you know, then the other parent not, you know, um, conforming to that boundary and they change it. So it can be very difficult for the child to also know which direction they're going in, especially if you have a more laid back parent. Um, because we all have like a different style, don't we? Like I, I would deem myself to be quite strict, actually. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine um, not so long ago and I said, I don't mind the fact that my children might be frightened of me a little bit. I think that's a good thing. And she was really surprised. Mm. She goes, no, 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 everything's out of love. And I said, well, I get that. But the, as a, I mean, as a single parent now, that, that fear factor is also important because I want them to think, oh my God, I, I'm not going to do that because mum's going to be like really angry. Mm. Do you see a difference between sort of fear and respect? This is a popular uh, question on a podcast that uh, an artist Noriega does. Like, do you, if you had the choice between fear and respect, what would you choose? Oh, I would always choose respect. I would mm. definitely choose respect. I think respect is the foundation for any relationship because, you know, the way I see it is we are raising human beings. And yes, at some stage, you know, they're always going to be our children, but they're also going to be independent young human beings that are going to contribute to a wider society. So teaching them about respect is probably paramount. But then there's this element where you do want them to understand there are consequences to everything and there's always a reaction to an action so you know I think I think understanding that there has to be an element of all of it for me is like really really important because when I think of it like from a male and female perspective and I've spoken to so many people I I, I know that they've said oh you know what we were really scared of our dad when we were growing up and that stopped us from making bad choices mm. you know and so I guess respect and fear it kind of 
it kind of overlaps at some stage. I have a, I have a, I'm really passionate at this, at this point about healthier relationships between men and women, um, regardless if they're romantic or platonic. I, I feel, and, and you're on Twitter enough to understand that there's just a discourse and there's an underlying tone of um, an us and them um, from both sides. Really, I don't think anybody's behaving yeah. really exceptionally well. Um, and then it, it kind of ignores the idea that we actually have to coexist at the end of all of this dialogue. Um, is, is there something that you've learned about, you know, uh, uh, being married, um, being with somebody for that period of time that you think men may not understand? Like if, if you know, dads that are men that are listening right now, is there something that you think that is just not understood that, you know, keeps re- reoccurring for you? Yeah, well, I'm going to start by saying, Marvin, we definitely have to do like perhaps another recording on this because this is such a wide conversation <laughs> and, you, and I'm sure you can see we talk about this all the time you've got the gender dynamics and you've got the gender roles and then you've got the, the misunderstanding but you know what right I always revert back to influences that I've had and like my community because I think it's better to start from home and I found that within the kind of South Asian culture we have an inherent problem which is a communication problem and it's going to change for the next generation, fingers crossed, mm. because we are there now to, to, to direct that space. But it's, it comes down to communication. It's about the willingness to understand another person because men and women don't know each other well enough as, as people, as personalities. But then there's also the gender. We have to understand how we're different because we inherently are. Um, I feel like, you know, women are more emotional. Men can be emotional, but more so they're not. So it's about the willingness and wanting to get to know someone. And that only comes through dialogue and it comes through questioning. Like, I feel like people don't question stuff enough. Mm. And then I suppose is, are we at a place where actually the way that men and women parent um, is even aligned? Is it like... Because in my view, I'll, I'll probably take a step back. In my view, in the experience of having this conversation with men, it feels very clear that there's a particular way in which men would have a preference of parenting. Um, and that method has yet to be fully explored freely. Um, and what I don't want to do is make it out as if like somehow women are stopping us from doing this. I think it's just an evolution mm-hmm. of how we co-parent and what it takes to co-parent. Um and so until men take intentional time with their children on their own, they don't actually know what it takes um, and the full scale of what's possible with um, their children. And so for those that do, fantastic. Um, and it's great. But I almost feel like um, men lead in certain parts of society, whether it be business or, um, you know, in their careers. And then in, you know, it is a completely different skill set to be able to do that in parenting. So, you know, the level of care mm-hmm. needs to increase. And sometimes I think us as men, we're, we don't always care about how things are done or how we feel while we're doing it. We just mm. do stuff for our family and it's all very noble, but you can't get away with that with your children. You can't, you know, always filibust mm. or or what's the word when you like push through with your children, you have to actually listen and it requires a softer set of skills. Do you think there's any any truth in, in yeah. that being a reason for some of the disconnect? Definitely. I feel like, you know, we're kind of talking about traditional roles here. And I think there's this automatic stereotype where men are the providers and women are, are the nurturers and women are the stay-at-home um, individuals that do all of that. And I think we are still in that space, which isn't a bad thing. I definitely think it's a good thing. However, we can develop more from that. And 
I have seen more active fathers who are want to have more of a say and an impact in their children's lives, especially when, you know, for example, if a if a man is working, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of hours, um, it's very difficult for him to switch off from that kind of I'm the leader, I'm the provider, I've got to be the dutiful partner. And versus the mother who's doing all the nurturing and all the kind of telling off and all the, you know, you know, how many books are in the bag for school in that morning. So I feel like we're still at the kind of traditional roles. And I'm not going to blame men because it is a natural instinct for them to assume that the woman is going to adopt predominantly that role. Um, and the active parenting part for fathers, I feel like, I think it's, I think it will be very healthy for them to want to um, immerse themselves into that parenting a lot more. And I think that children really appreciate it because I know, and again, speak, you know, because all of this is through experience and speaking to to parents, is when children spend time with their fathers, they are so excited because they see the difference because predominantly they're with their mother most of the time. And then when they get that short amount of time with their dad, they're like talking about it for hours and hours and hours. Like it's a new thing. But just imagine if, you know, you times that by 50, you know, it's um, it would be so healthy for them. So I think, I think men also need to have the confidence as well. I feel like some fathers don't have the confidence because they feel like they can't be the best for their children. Yeah, I, I definitely think confidence is a is a challenge. I, I wasn't confident at all, um, and for the first maybe eight months uh, of our second child, my first child, I, I was on the front line doing everything. When my second child came, came, I really struggled with taking one child on their own while, you know, they wanted to be with their mother or, you know, marrying the two between having a, a, a daughter who needed like full-time support. And my son was probably two and a half, three at a point. So he was a bit more in the world. And the, the, the divide between those two things, um, I just found really, really difficult. Um, for you in your own journey, did, did it just come naturally to you or was it something that you had to kind of work towards was it pressure? Uh, I, I'm not sure what that if that's different as a woman in terms of how people perceive your role um, as a mother. Well, I like I said, so for me, I've always been incredibly career orientated, but I always knew at some point I would be a mother if I was blessed with children. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always knew that I would be a parent. I didn't really know what that would look like until it happened. And it's just, you just assume isn't it because you're a female and we're going to have kids and you're going to look after them and that's how it was kind of designed and laid out for me that was something that was uh, taught to me by my parents by my mother and father you would get married you'd have kids and then you would parent and then the husband goes and works so you know all of this stuff is like conditioning and I guess it wasn't until that I was I was a parent myself that I realized actually, you know, what does my my environment look like at the time? And I just sort of went with it because cultural uh, cultures played a part, traditions played a part. And I think I just um I just I just jumped into it. I dived right in. Um and I think it's all about mindset. So I've I've got pretty positive mindset. So I never really looked at stuff like a, a big challenge. I looked at it more like, okay, if I'm struggling with this, what's the solution? So I'm a problem solver rather than worrying about stuff. And and I know, again, I you know, there's lots of women who are out there and they are obsessed with being the perfect parent. And I think that that doesn't exist. And I feel like you're putting, women especially put an expectation on themselves to be the perfect mother. And you're never going to achieve that. So you've already kind of shot yourself in the foot. But if you go with the mindset, understanding that I'm going to make mistakes, but that's okay, 
Um, and, you know, I've got a heap of people around me that can give me the support that I need. I think I think that's just the better way to do it, because I think I do remember at a time when um, when my, when my youngest was born, I, I had one of the midwives, you know, they sort of come over when they're young to do the checkups and stuff. Yeah. And I was always like I was obsessed with like keeping my house clean, like my house needed to be clean because I, I'm an organized person. But I had three kids under the age of five. Like nobody should expect my house to be spotless, but that was a standard that I placed upon myself and it was too much. And I, I realized that I had to really step back a little bit because I was doing myself more harm, you know, and it's these little things that we, that we, you know, these standards and expectations that I guess we can put on ourselves that, that makes it hard. Uh, and and I, I'll answer this if you feel comfortable or not, but um, I, I'm really big on some of the stigmas around relationships ending. Um, like you know, it happens all the time, and it and it's prone to happen, um, very possible. But then I feel mm. like what it does there is a, you know, a stigma from wider society. Maybe in your family, you know, there's some binary positions that friends and families take take in terms of taking sides. What what was your experience in 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 breaking your your relationship down and changing it, involving its structure? How, how did you find it? I think the first part was for me was oh my god, what is everyone going to say? It wasn't even about me. It wasn't even about him. It was about what is everyone going to say? They're going to think that I failed. It was the failure element that was awful because I I was like, wow, like I, I don't want people to think that I'm a failure. And it, it's just the wrong mentality to have. And I had to do a lot of self-care and a lot of self-work to really get out of that mindset. Um, because obviously within the, the South Asian Muslim community is getting better but there is still a taboo on divorce and if you're if you're a divorcee and you get divorced and you've got a failed marriage like what does that say about you there's all these negative connotations attached that pressure cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss you know, can be really hard. And what we're not taught is maybe something doesn't have to last forever. Like, why are we expecting something to last forever? Yes, we're hopeful and that's the idea. But if it doesn't work out, it's it's also okay. Like, there are billions of people in this world and, you know, we get caught up into cliches, which is the Cinderella stories, which is Disney culture, fantasy. It's all kind of idealism. It's not realism. 
And um, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot about that across my platform just to make people feel like you're not a failure if something goes wrong. And being in a relationship and being in a marriage, if, if it does break down, I'm sure there were good reasons for that breakdown because nobody wants to split up ever. It's actually one of the hardest things to do, especially when you still love and care that, care for that person. Um, but yeah, and maybe, you know, and I also say that perhaps you weren't built for one person. Mm. You know, because we all evolve when we change and who's to say that we grow at the same pace and, and we're even going to grow in the same kind of direction. That's a really important point. I think uh, I've, I've also been through a separation in the last two years and, and I felt like um, it, it's just interesting how it all unfolds. And it's really weird because actually our relationship's been fine the whole, pretty much the whole time. Um, we've been able to have communicate, we've communicated, we've co-parented. Uh, everything is like completely split down the middle. Um, we still get along well enough. Um, and so it felt like there was a, a more concern with people beyond us than there was actually with us. And our children have had a really healthy transition. They've seen me constantly. They've seen, you know, they stay with me um, half the month. I think those things are like the most important thing. Like, how does it feel to children who are ultimately the most at risk in terms of that transition? Um, and and it's, it's so weird how many people care about it in in from their own perspective and they need to take sides and, and create sub-narratives around actually what's happening. So in many ways, that was harder than the actual separation itself, um, I found, is the, is the wider um, um, thoughts and views. Um, how do you approach, like, going forward now? So you're still young and you're still you're very successful. So how do you approach life going forward? Do you look at it as if you've, you've given up? Do you still believe in marriage? Would you attempt it again? Well, thank you for that. I don't know about the young part, but being much older now, having to like do a lot more on my own but no 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 i'm um a narrative positive i'm positive (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you know what like i i'm finding i'm finding this space really interesting um i feel like i mean for me personally i feel like i'm not kind of answerable to anyone anymore and um again being a muslim pakistani you know we're always answerable to someone so we're always answerable to our parents and then you get married because you never really have that independence so you go from your mother and father's home to your husband's home. Um, so, you know, having this independent identity is, is quite tricky in that space. And I feel like for the first time I do have my own identity. You know, I hope people can relate to that because now I don't need to ask, um, nor can, you know, you know, go to anyone and say, is this OK? Can I do this? I'm kind of like a free spirit, which is which which feels really good. Mm. Um, and whether... You know, I decide I want to have a partner in the future. I guess when the time's right, I'll probably I'll probably go with that. But for now, I mean, I'm definitely enjoying the independence because I've not had much of that. I've pretty much been in a relationship since forever. Mm. And, and just, have you ever given have you given any thought so far just to like what does that actually even look like? What are the key things that you think will be different? I think one of the things is that um, pre marriage, I just believed that anyone that was going to have my children must be my wife, and that was always going to be the formula. Um, I probably okay. wouldn't have more children now, yeah. but, but I do think um, what I need want now is very very different to what I needed or wanted at that time. Um, have you thought about mm. what those changes mm. are for yourself and, and how you would approach it? In all honesty, I have thought about this stuff, but not in depth. Like I do process lots of information. I mean, I definitely know that I am a traditionalist when it comes down to it. So for me, like the marriage part is really important. Um, So going forward, I would definitely want to be married to someone. 
And I think if they, you know, if my body allows it or if my age is right and they wanted children, that's still something I would consider. I mean, for me, I only have three and I, I don't, you know, I come from a family of five, so I'm not even close to that yet. <laughs> you know, having more kids, if that was the, you know, <laughs> you, we have, we've got loads of kids. So I'm like, three is actually all right. So, you know, if that was like, you know, if I found the right person and for example, they wanted kids, I would definitely not rule that out. But yeah, I'm such a traditionalist. Like I love all the stuff with the vows. I love having to make the oath, you know, for, for God, because I am, you know, I have, I have a strong faith. Um, and, you know, I raise my children like that as well. And yeah, so I'd still probably do it in the same way. But what I want from the individual is totally different, totally different to when I was in my 20s. Mm, absolutely. Um, just going back to the article where you talked about work-life balance, how, how do you approach the work-life balance? Mm. Um, you know, as a mother, like for me as a dad, I, I, I leaned into work heavily for the first two and a half years, mainly because I had a very clear vision as to what my family needed to be secure long-term. And it kept me out of the house uh, or from probably the nucleus in the family um, uh, for about, for that whole time, really. And I was quite disconnected for some parts of it. And I probably wouldn't do that again. I think I realised that it's, it's a long game now. And it, it actually, it's about just being consistent and steady rather than blitzing, you know, this big challenge of being financially free and stable mm-hmm. Um, within two and a half years how how do you approach it now as like you know balancing the things that you do and and having still relatively a I would say a young family but having a family I think for me like the the most important part was taking it day by day because I sort of did the same thing as you like because when you're simultaneously raising children and you're going through a breakup you know there is so much to navigate there's so much nuance to these discussions because one part of you is still kind of emotionally involved and you're trying to split split that up at the same time. Then you've got these children and you're thinking, well, they've got all these demands because their demands don't stop whilst everything's happening. Um, so you're like, okay, how do I now challenge this? Because if I don't feel like waking up the next day and making a packed lunch, that still has to happen. Mm. Um, so it was, it was about continuously trying to make sure that my mind and my mental health was in a good place because if that wasn't in place I wasn't able to be productive with my work I wasn't able to give the the right attention to the children so for me that was like the main focus so you know I I had I I had the support of my family which was really good which meant that you know I could always lean on them if, if if I needed to discuss something um and I literally take it day by day I don't put that much pressure on myself um I'm I'm exceptionally organized, Marvin. Like I have planners, mm-hmm. diaries, everything on my phone, on the, on the fridge. Um, I'm in constant communication with my children because they have mobile phones. And, and I think without that, I would definitely be pulling my hair out because there is so much going on. that sometimes even when I tell people what's happening in my schedule, they're like, how do you get it done? And I'm like, I literally calm down and I relax and I say, it's okay let's just get through today and then we'll focus on tomorrow. So I don't even do it like like year by year or where, you know, what, what's it going to look like in five years? Right now I'm literally day by day. And I think that helps me. And and who, who's some of your support network? I think sometimes when we talk about being business leaders and parents, there's this sort of idea that you're superheroing it alone. Where, where do you get your support from? Yeah. Well, you know what that term superhero it, it actually annoys me because, again, it's an expectation on us, right? It's like in order to um, 
to get everything done, you've got to be this superhuman being. Like, don't put that pressure on us. And so I, I definitely don't like using that. But I mean, I've got I've got sisters, I'm my parents, and you know, my support network is really small. And it actually just um, includes my family, really. And um, bar maybe one or two friends. Um, because obviously, like for me, like trust is really important. I feel like I need to know that the individual has my my real good intentions um, at heart. And I feel like if you're around the wrong people, they can also direct you not in the right way, especially if they don't really care about you in that way. So I think having a small circle of friends is, is, is really, really important. And always, always being able to kind of be um, expressive with, with how you feel. And that's something that my family and I have worked on a lot actually recently. And because I'm working on it myself, I've actually got a better, um, I've got better communication with my parents because that's what I also need from them now. So, you know, a lot of positives have kind of come out of it. What was the experience like in terms of doing a TV reality show that's incredibly high profile? Everybody seems to be watching it at the same time and tweeting about it in real time. You Mm. made it to like week nine uh, which is amazing. <laughs> um, how, how did your family react? How did your, your, your kids react to that? Seeing you, you know, did it come up for them in school? Were people talking about it? How, how did it feel? How, what was it like? Okay, so um, most people know that when you go and um, do The Apprentice, you're not actually allowed to tell anyone that you're going to do it. So my entire family thought that I was at jury service whilst <laughs> it was going on. <laughs> so it wasn't until I got back that I sort of had to sit everyone down and when I was allowed to, to let them know what was going on. But from my children, they were immensely proud. You know, my youngest was so excited because it was the first time like, oh my God, we're, you know, for them it was, we're going to see you on television, you know, because only famous people are on TV. Um, so for them, it was a really exciting time. And of course, you know, parents at school knew who I was. And coincidentally, I've actually gone back to my son's school and done a, a talk. And although he was really embarrassed, <laughs> I didn't tell him that I was going to go and do that because he was properly embarrassed about it. But ah. his friends always root for me. So his friends follow me on social media. Wow. <laughs> Which is so cool. Yeah, What's it's just so cool. So, yeah, no, I mean, my entire family were, like, were really, really proud. I, I think for me, it was the first time in our family that anyone had kind of gone and done something like this. Um, and I think I was a bit naive. I didn't, I didn't realise you know, what I was sort of getting into. For me, it was about my business and, and getting that injection from, from Alan Sugar. But yeah, I think I was a little bit naive when I went to do it. But when, you know, when it was all done, you can't, you know, you can't undo it. And so I was like, okay, right, let's see where this where this takes me now. And, and did it add value to what it is that you're doing? Obviously, you didn't get the investment, but did it add value to what it is that you were doing? Definitely, because it's interestingly enough, when I came out, I actually got investment from an angel investor when I left the show. Um, so I was really lucky to to get that option and I decided against it. Um, and it's actually worked in my favour because now perhaps I could have been in partnership with somebody and I, I would lose control of what direction, you know, my business was going in. And I've still got 100% of that. And I've also been able to sort of create this platform because Marvin, you know, I didn't have social media until I did The Apprentice. Wow, so okay. I mm. was also... Yeah, so my platforms are pretty nursery level. They're, they're still they're still quite small. So I was teaching myself about social media and to to figure out how that world works as well. Because I have social media for my business, but I never had like a personal brand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But for me anyway, like so many opportunities have come after it, and 
I, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to give credit to myself. I think I've really pushed some doors open, you know, um, just pushing them open because I thought to myself, you get one opportunity, Bushra, and like just make the most of it. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a heap of stuff that I would never imagine in a million years that I'd ever be doing. I have a book coming out. I write poetry. Um, you know, I do commentating and broadcasting. And, you know, it's a, such a wide sphere of things that I do now, which is amazing. That's pretty cool. And in terms of like your your children, how, how like that must be weird of having people following you that, like your your son's friends, like they get to see some of the things. Have you ever had any backlash either from your children or from anywhere else in terms of what your tweets are, that adjustment of going online and being, you know, there being a weight to your words because you've been on uh, a TV show? Yeah, I mean, I've never had any backlash from my family. Like they're very, very supportive. Sometimes they do question mark some of my tweets, perhaps because they don't understand what I'm saying or they might misinterpret what I'm saying. That's going to happen. Um... I mean, I've definitely grown thicker skin than than before. Oh, gosh, you have to have that when you're, you know, in a public space, even when you put stuff out there. The backlash, though, I think I talk about, um, I talk about issues that people are frightened of talking about, especially in my community, um, because we've got this thing where don't talk about stuff and don't do it openly, like it's not a good thing. So, um, you know, I, I don't like to be. What's the word? You know, people often call, call me, there's this word I'm trying to think of what they, you know, what they call. like basically I do stuff just to cause problems, but I don't do that. I do it because I try to make, I, I, I think you need to get uncomfortable before you get comfortable. So having conversations that make you uncomfortable is good because then you're able to see what the problem is and then perhaps find a solution for that within your community. So, yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, I've had heaps of it, heaps of it, whether it's from the Muslim community, whether it's from the Pakistani community. I even get people saying, you're a mother. You sh- you shouldn't be doing this. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, what? I was like, what does that even mean? I'm a mother. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, what is the expectation of a mother that I don't have a social platform? I, I don't put myself out there. It's bizarre. It's, it's so interesting because it's like I was raised in a matriarch. So how I have always seen women is is probably too powerful because then I, I I don't see I didn't always historically see some of the challenges that they were facing and some of the absurdities that would be presented to them to like make their lived experience more difficult uh, in, in my world it was like yeah you listen to all women they they dominate my whole family so it makes perfect sense but the more <laughs> I listen and you think of those tiny stigmas where you know you even being online is a problem that it's, it's almost quite scary and off-putting in terms of like wanting to engage you do have to get a thicker skin, but it's just like, what's the, the barrier between doing more and standing in your power, but also dealing with extra things that, I don't know, are, are, is that essential to, to receive that backlash? Is that a core part of what it is that you're doing? I always think about it myself because sometimes I've yet to receive a negative training topic. I touch all forms of wood uh, to help I can avoid it. But I just think like, imagine having thousands of people tweeting negative things at you. I, I would hate the idea of having to wake up and ingest that level of negativity, even if I have an overstanding of that, it's just the internet. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, for me, I think the biggest one was when I decided to take my headscarf off and um, and then I went public with it. Well, semi-public, because I put it up on YouTube. Only because, you know, I did that for me. I did that because, you know, there are other women going through what I was going through and perhaps it's relatable. 
And there was heaps of backlash because the automatic response was I was doing something against the community. You know, like I should only be emphasizing that wearing the hijab is the correct thing and telling people why it's also okay to kind of have those trans- transitory moments and it being fluid in that journey, why it would be okay for that to be kind of acceptable. So I think that was the hardest one because that was thousands and thousands of, of people. But again, I had the right people around me and they would all, always say to me, look, just do not respond. So that was one of my first things. It was do not respond no matter how tempted. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to be open. I lost friends over a load of stuff, a load of stuff because, yeah, because people, you see, the thing is sometimes you have like face value friendships and they, you know, cause you can, you really get to know who your friends are when you are put in a challenging situation. Because then that's when you're like, okay, am I accepting you for you? Or am I accepting you because our views and opinions align? So people find it really difficult to agree and, and disagree. People find it difficult to have different points of views and being amicable. You know, I've, I've found that generally. But yeah, I mean, I've just grown thick skin. But there's so much positivity though, Marvin. Like I get so much love at the same time now. And I feel like um, the... I feel like I am making a difference for lots of people, be it small, but, you know, it is happening. And I think I've just got to carry on. Amazing. Busha, thank you so much um, for all of that. It was really, really great to speak to you. I kind of wish we had more time. I, I think there's more things I could explore. Um, I, I've always wanted to know, actually, just very quickly before we go, I always wanted to know the relationship between sort of South Asian and African communities. Like, I don't know, if you brought me home to your family, would it be fine? Would it be okay? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, fine. Okay, my particular family, it would be absolutely fine because mm-hmm. I come from a particular. I, I come from a family that they're not like heavily religious, you know, if I can say that, because mm. it all comes kind of from religion, and and so they've 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 grown. So my family are very very different, and they're very accepting. They're very accepting, but I know in other families it would be a problem, and it still would be a problem because again they don't know enough about the African community. They don't know enough and they're not wanting to learn about it. So I definitely think that they're, but we're so similar. We're so similar. Like some of our food is so similar. Our culture is so similar. There's so many things. And it's it's sad because I'm like, why are we not doing that more more mm-hmm. so? And I think that there is something that we can, we can build and come together because we're so alike that, you know, two communities together are far more stronger than on their own. Um, so, you know, I, I talk about that like a lot, like, I mean, especially with, with, with African women, their confidence, I find, is through the roof and their support for each other mm. is undeniably there, you know, and that's what I feel like South Asian women lack. We're not genuine supporters for each other, but I see it in the African communities and I, I talk about it and I actually get envious as to why is there that disparity between women in these two different cultures? Why why is that happening? So we can definitely learn a lot from each other. Agreed. I, I think we're about to start a, uh, a new movement where we bring the, the, the two amazing uh, continent and ethnicities together just because it feels obvious and there are definite similarities. But there does seem to be like an unspoken... Yeah, no one's ever really tried to heal it openly, really. I think it's always just kind of been left alone and understood. But... um. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation to have. 
Bushra, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you taking time out um, and having a conversation with us. We'll definitely do more. I definitely owe you some sort of dinner or yeah. lunch or breakfast, whatever the appropriate <laughs> version of it is. Um, coffee, coffee. Coffee, sorry, yes. Coffee is the uh, polite business version. Let, let's do the uh, uh, coffee at some point. It'd be great to meet you um, and let's continue the conversation. Thank you so much. Where can actually people find you? That's no, honestly, Right, you can find me on Bushra One Shake on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, Bushra, the number one, and Shake. And you can go to bushrashake.com online. And if you want to follow my business, it's islacollection.com. But just follow me on, on the social media and then we'll take it from there. Amazing. Thank you. Dope Black Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.